Night Owl Ohio, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Neighbors, this week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Paul Wagonseal of Security News Daily. He's going to talk about security, especially on the Mac with the new releases of Safari that don't support older OS versions. We'll hear from Jim Dalrymple of the Loop with LoopInsight.com and Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Paul Wackenseal returns to the Tech Night Owl Live. He works with Security News Daily, so they keep abreast of all the things that are happening, not just with personal computers and stuff, but with a whole bunch of subjects, cybercrime, identity theft, all sorts of things. And you had an article out not too many days ago about the recent updates to Safari for OS 10.8 Mountain Lion. There was also a version for OS 10.7 Lion. Now, what kind of changes, security-wise, did this offering offer? Well, it seemed to it offered it patched uh, a lot of different uh, vulnerabilities, more than a hundred. I'm not sure what they all were, but they, a lot they seemed pretty serious. A lot of them were just, just sort of ways to remotely exploit the um, Safari browser browser if the uh, user went to a malicious website. Would you explain just briefly for our listeners who don't follow security every day, exploiting something like this? What does it involve, and what's the threat to the end user? What happens is the uh, the code on a website, whether or not the website owner knows about this or not, the code on the website is is altered to uh, to include mal- malware. What they can often do is in, is insert a hidden link deep on the on the site's front page that takes the browser to a second site or even a third without the user knowing it, which eventually triggers what they call a drive-by download, in which case malware is inserted into the browser, into the actual browser application on the uh, end user's computer. Sometimes that malware is so good it can actually escape the browser and embed itself in the operating system. That is, for example, how the uh, Mac flashback Trojan got into about 600,000 Macs back in, in March. Now, that exploited a Java security problem. That's right. But because Java is so deeply embedded in the way that Mac OS X works, basically Apple runs its own, updates its own versions of Java because it has to do with Safari, which Safari is itself deeply embedded in Mac OS X. What happened was Apple did not update its Java build in a timely manner. Oracle did so for Microsoft machines, for Windows machines, about six weeks earlier, actually more than six weeks earlier. So they were protected, but Apple's machines were like sort of left out in the cold and exposed. Now, was this a lapse on Apple's part or Apple communicating with Oracle? Do we know? It's really like on Apple's part because I think they would have known and been told by Oracle well in advance of that problem. Uh, in fact, the, the vulnerability was discovered, I think, in mid-January, and Oracle had a patch out for Windows and Linux machines by early February. Apple stuff was not patched until the very beginning of April. Okay, so with that, though, Apple has been doing more things to shore up their security updates. So with Safari, more powerful security, new features for OS 10.8 shipped with Mountain Mm -hmm. Lion and for Lion. Now, obviously, not every Mac user is going to have Lion or Mountain Lion. Not every Mac user has a Mac that can run Mountain Lion. So what about the people with older versions? They're left in the cold. They sure are. That's what Apple does. Basically, what they're doing is rolling out Safari 6 for Mountain Lion and Lion. Apple has a sort of unstated policy to only support the two most recent versions of OS X, in which case 
It's Mountain Lion, which came out last week, and Lion, which came out a year ago. Uh, if you're running Snow Leopard, which came out, I think, three years ago and has been updated until now, you're sort of out in the cold. Same thing for if you've got a power PC machine that's running um, Leopard. Not much that you can do for yourself in that respect. What you can do is not run Safari. Firefox is still updating its browser for all those versions of, of Mac OS X, and so is Google Chrome. Okay, so a boo to Apple for not making this kind of upgrade. I also get the impression that Apple has cut back or given up on doing versions of Safari for the Windows platform. They sure have. They, uh, they're not updating it anymore. Um, in fact, you can't even download it from their site anymore. Quietly removed, no comments, no reasons. But the other question would be, and maybe this is something beyond what you could even answer, and that is, would a Windows version of Safari, which is not embedded into the operating system, would that have a problem? Um, with these with these exploits, it might. Again, the, the hooks of Safari don't go as deep into the operating system, of course, but as a browser, it would still be vulnerable to a lot of these exploits. There were more than 100 that were patched in, uh, in Safari 6, so I would, I would imagine that Safari 5.17, which I believe is the latest version for Windows, would be uh, vulnerable to several of them at least. So at this particular point in time, the best advice would be to use a current browser, and if you can't get it from Apple, get it from someone. So we have Firefox that's being updated. We have Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far backwards compatible it is. We have Opera. How's Opera do with security? Opera is very good. Opera is one of the uh, most forward-thinking browsers. A lot of uh, features that you now see in, uh, in other browsers, such as tabs, such as, I think, the uh, sort of window pane display when you first log on, those were first rolled out in Opera. Opera is a pioneer in sort of in browser features. It's got a very very small user base, but it's sort of like it's, rec- it's recognized by other browser makers as something to emulate. Put it this way: it's like the uh, it's a small foreign movie that only other people in Hollywood see, but then the people who are the stars of that foreign movie get roles in Hollywood. Does that make any sense? Or they take the plot, like for example, a European show about somebody being killed is morphed into a show called The Killing for AMC. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a European browser that uh, that American companies copy. Is there a reason why Opera doesn't get a bigger market share? It seems they are so aggressive in terms of every one of these features, but everywhere you look, it's the also-rans, also-ran. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, in a way, it's a standalone company. I mean, you can argue that Mozilla Firefox is as well, but those people came in from AOL, so they had some connections in Silicon Valley. All the other co- big browsers are, are coming out of, like, well, either Silicon Valley or Microsoft. Opera is a small Norwegian company. That, that's all they do. They do have a mobile version, I guess, they license that, and they get some money. But frankly speaking, most of the mobile browsers are using Apple's WebKit, even Android, right? Well, WebKit is not owned by Apple. WebKit's a, a sort of like open source cross-platform. Right. Well, Apple created it and then made it open source for everyone. Yeah, I don't know who created it. Maybe they did. But yeah, the other most of the other browsers do use it. I don't think Firefox uses another another rendering engine. Right, but, right. Uh, Gecko yeah. or something. It used to be called but, Gecko, but, but then I always think of Gecko. I think of the character that Michael Douglas plays. <laughs> I don't think of a browser <laughs> right engine. Up. Yeah. But uh, I guess if your question is, yeah, well, what's a common platform among all of them? Well, yeah, it's either WebKit or, uh, or, or Gecko. I don't know what Opera uses it, though. I assume they yeah, roll Microsoft. Own. Yeah, Microsoft has its own for, for IE uh, 9 and 10. Now, we're hearing a lot about Apple and security problems, especially after Flashback, which I think was a black eye for them. I understand they were supposed to have a security expert attend one of these sessions at the Black Hat Security Conference. Did that occur? Yes, it did. I was there. Okay, what did the Apple person tell us? Anything or just well, kind of a general overview of nothing, whatever? 
It was actually really pretty interesting. He went through a, lar- a long sort of detailed overview of the way that, that um, Apple's uh, iOS security works. He didn't, he didn't talk about the, the desktop version of, of OS X. He talked about iOS, the, the operating system that runs on iPads and iPhones. It was pretty interesting, and it was pretty in- impressive. A lot of people said it just really sort of mirrored what Apple had put up, put online in a white paper a month or two earlier, but it was still an interesting uh, discussion. And the security, at least the way he put it, is, is many-layered. Um, it was built in to iOS from the very beginning um, because Apple recognized that, that a cell phone, a smartphone, would be an extremely valuable item for some, some malicious person to steal from another person because it would have, you know, that person's information, contacts, all sorts of, you know, personal data and would contact other people. And it's anyway. very easy to lose. It's so easy to lose a smartphone. I know my son has just a standard feature phone from several years ago. Yeah. He lives in Europe and he only uses the phone when it comes to America. One day the yeah. phone is gone and there's nothing on there that's going to compromise him in any way. But obviously smartphones are very easily lost and therefore the best security. And we're going to talk about mobile platform security in a bit more detail in our next segment. But right now we have to talk to other people who secure our future on the show by giving you announcements. How's that go? Paul Wagenseal is with Security News Daily. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, this summer, you and your team will probably be working from different locations. And that's why I recommend GoToMeeting, where you can meet online with clients and colleagues from just about anywhere. GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix allows you to collaborate on files and plans online. And with HD Faces, you just need a webcam to turn your online meetings into a group HD video conference. You can even participate in HD Faces meetings from your iPad. How about that? Work smarter this summer with GoToMeeting with HD Faces. You know, my listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code PODCAST. Once again, the promo code is PODCAST. You go to GoToMeeting.com, you click the Try It Free button. Take it from me, this is going to be your savior for doing those online meetings in the summer. Good day, Jim Newcomer from Honest Resources, August 3rd, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1596.90. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for $1,637. $818.50 for a half ounce or $409.25 for a quarter ounce. That's $1,637, $818.50, and $409.25. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 
Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, Visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Paul Wagenseal from Security News Daily, and we started focusing on Apple security, particularly Safari, and the fact that if you don't have OS 10.7 or 10.8 and you have Safari, all the new security fixes, you can't get it unless Apple changes their collective minds. You talked about the efforts they made for security protection with the iOS. But Apple seems to be more forthright about this. What about Android? We hear mixed feelings about Android. How well does Google take security? Well, it's learning. It's taking it more seriously than it did with regard to Android, that is. I guess I could say that if Apple, the way Apple presents itself is sort of having taken iOS security very seriously from the get-go and building it into the into the into the operating system from the beginning, Google probably can't claim this, claim the same thing. It almost seems like security in Google was not quite an afterthought, but they they only took it so far and they could have taken it further. You have to man, you have to look at it this way. Apple always thinks designs things with the end user in mind. Google's people are sort of engineers, and I think they have a hard time imagining that people would think differently than the way they do. The nice thing about Google is that when you download an application, it tells you you get these permissions that tell you exactly what the application is going to do. And it asks you to sort of approve or deny the application based on those permissions. Unfortunately, there's no way to, to approve or deny these things a la carte. You have to take the whole package. And the other thing is, too, people are so used on the 
desktop computing platforms, they are so accustomed to when they see these prompts, they go, okay, 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 let me get down to business. They don't really pay attention to the risks. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that's why Apple is better. Apple realizes that most people are stupid, um, you know, if that makes sense. In a sense of stupid being more or less ignorant of the dangers. Ignorant or uncaring. Yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, I think a lot of people are aware of the dangers. They just at the moment don't really care, and they want to get, they want to get whatever they need to get done. And so they click, okay, 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 okay. They're not looking at the intermediary steps. They're looking at the end game, which is to launch that app, the heck with all these reminders, because they're used to installing software and then seeing 50,000 paragraphs of terms and conditions, and nobody reads that stuff. So you say, agree, you say, okay, let me get on. Exactly. That's, that's what we've all come to expect uh, using, using uh, software and using the Internet. Which is a downside. Okay, but the point being here is that Google is not curating the software in the way that Apple does. So it's easier for malformed or malware-ridden apps to get on the Google list of apps. That's right. That's right. And that happens for two reasons. Number one, Google does not lock down its phones so that you can only get uh, software from one source. To someone like me who likes experimenting with software, um, that's actually a good thing because you can toggle on or off the ability to, to, to take things from, from other sources than, than the Google Play or, or Google Android Market, as they used to call it. The other thing is that Google basically lets uh, software uh, into the Android market sort of like on, a, on an honor basis. They used to let anything in pretty much until someone reported this as malicious. Now they've got some kind of a screening software called a Bouncer, which will basically run each new app or proposed app uh, through an emulator and we'll sort of watch to see what it does. And Apple does the same thing. The problem, as uh, some researchers have pointed out, is that Google's sort of bouncer soft screening software only emulates one kind of Android phone, one sort of hypothetical ideologized Android phone. You mean like a and Nexus fact, phone, for example? It could be, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what the, what the exact build is. These guys couldn't even figure it out. But... The point is that there are hundreds of different builds of Android for hundreds of different phones. Each phone literally has its own build of Android. You know, the, the software, the uh, the phone carriers add things, and then they don't. Then 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 they fail to update the actual software that Google puts out. But with each new build of Android, it gets a little more secure. But the fact is, is most Android phones are still running three, you know, three or four uh, sort of versions behind. And the problem being, if they have a major security lapse, and it's fixed tomorrow. You know, there's a Google 4.1 point something that fixes yeah. this problem. 95% or more of those who use Android phones not only can't get that update, they will never get that update. I'd say 95% won't get the update, and maybe 80% will never get it. Yeah. So does Google, upon learning this, and we're assuming the emulator is obviously imperfect because it only allows for one condition in terms of support, if they learn an app, is no good. They pull the app, I presume. They do have a tool for doing that, yeah. They do have a tool for doing that. But however, they, they cannot push out a full system update to most phones. And that's a carrier's fault. Google is at the mercy of the carriers. Apple was big enough to basically beat AT&T over the head and say, listen, this is the way we're going to do it. Take it or leave it. Apple went to Verizon first, and Verizon turned them down. Then they went to AT&T, and AT&T said, okay. This is back in 2006, 2007. So Apple retains full control of the software on every iPhone. And Apple basically owns the security. You have to trust Apple, but Apple does a pretty good job. Google does not own the security on most Android phones. 
in fact, the, and then the carriers would rather not take that take that responsibility either. They basically pass everything down to the user, who is the least qualified person to actually do it. So, do you have antivirus apps for Android to protect you against some of this stuff? Oh heck yeah, there are dozens of them. It's kind of and like revisiting reckon, Windows ten years ago. It's exactly the same situation. It's really what it is. I mean, Android is Windows XP ten years ago. You see, today Windows XP is pretty safe. They've patched it to the nth degree. And strangely enough, by the way, the last survey I read, the number of people who use Windows XP around the world is about 43%, and 43% use Windows 7, so Windows XP is still widely used, but the security issues on Windows platform are not as high. But what does it take to get Google convinced that they have to be more proactive about this? It's actually really not Google's fault. I believe it's more the carrier's fault. If the phones today, if right now every Android phone out there switch to the latest version of Android, which I think is Android 4.1 Jelly Bean, then Android phones would be a lot safer. But 80% of them are still running uh, are still running Gingerbread, which is, uh, I think, 2.3. It's going to take a major security problem with, a, with a, a lot of, with millions of Android phones to make people aware of this problem and to force the carrier's hands into accepting Google updates. So the best suggestion is if you like Android and the openness and whatever, Go ahead and get yourself some malware protection software right away. Do you guys recommend anything? Um, I use Lookout. It's free. It's probably the most common um, uh, Android software, uh, Android antivirus software. Lookout, I think, is specifically for mobile phones. Um, A lot of the big desktop antivirus makers also have Android um, antivirus software out now. McAfee, Symantec, Norton, um, Sophos, they've all got offerings. Some are paid, some are free. Okay, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you write about and also the material at Security News Daily. At securitynewsdaily.com. That works out. What things are you going to be covering yourself in the next few weeks that we should look at? Well, I just put up a long story about uh, about this guy in France, this French T-shirt maker who put up who uh, <laughs> turned out he uh, he trademarked the logo on the slogan of the uh, group Anonymous in uh, on the on the French um, copyright agency. Um, he actually did this back in February and was given the uh, the trademark in March. Um, people only found out about this a couple of days ago. Um, and Anonymous is, is getting pretty mad about this. Uh, the funny thing is this guy put up a, a big statement overnight in French defending his actions and basically saying that he did it for the greater good of Anonymous. In fact, he's protecting them. And I'll tell you what, we'll have, to, <laughs> we'll have to look into that and check out the article. Yeah. Paul Wackenseal, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Sure, thank you. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio. DreamHost.com slash radio. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. 
2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Micro plant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with micro plant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. So call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does it mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General Steel first. Call 898 Steel today and save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and we've got so many things to talk about, I'm just going to jump right in, dive right in. Okay, all things digital and some other places have a rumor that Apple will hold a media event on the 12th of September, which is three days after my birthday, but Apple does not consider my birthday as being meaningful of anything. So before we ask what it might be about, Jim Dalrymple, what's your response? Do you think there's going to be one? Yes. Do you have any inside knowledge that there'll be one? 
Uh, I have my, my own sources. Let me put it this way. When you say such things, yes, or yep, have you ever been wrong? No. Okay, so we can take that to the bank. <laughs> he hasn't been wrong, folks, I'm telling you. He says, I, yeah, I, or yes. I, I think I started doing the, the, the one-word uh, yep confirmation about th- three years ago, I guess. Is that when you developed this kind of source, or is it just happened to happen? No, it's when I started the the new site, and you know, I wanted to to do something different. So, uh, one time I did that, and it kind of caught on with uh, with everybody. So, in the time I've been I've been doing that, I have not been wrong. So, there's a lot to be said. Okay, I'll ask you another question here, knowing that's going to have a one word answer. Will the media event on the 12th of September that you're, in a sense, confirming here, will it be about the iPhone? Uh, Yes. Will the iPhone be released that week or the week after? Oh, it it won't be that week. No. It's mostly to give a little time to ramp up demand and place the pre-orders and that sort of thing. As to the new iPhone, will it be called the new iPhone in keeping with... The new iPad, or it will be a called the iPhone 5, or what? Oh, we got to keep some things as a surprise. You can't, you can't know everything before the event. That would ruin it. For whom? For you. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't care. <laughs> it's not going to ruin it for me if you tell me, yes, it will be the iPhone 5, and yes, it will have a 4-inch screen, and yes, it will have LTE support, and yes, it will have in-cell LCD technology. Are those three suppositions right or wrong? Those are things I, I think that would ruin the surprise. I, I don't want to do that. That's not saying no, of course. No, I think I, I think when the when the twelfth comes around, um, you know, people are going to be happy. Now that's an interesting point here. Now, last year, in October, and very sadly, the day before Steve Jobs died, Apple introduces the iPhone 4S. And some people said, "Ah, what's this? It looks the same as last year, not realizing Apple doesn't always have a new form factor every year. They had record sales. They've had pretty good sales, except for the current quarter, where it was a little bit less than analysts expected, or maybe their expectations are inflated. Do you think a lot of people nowadays are staying on the sidelines, knowing with all this publicity there's going to be an iPhone 5 really soon, so let's just wait for a month or two and see what happens? No, I, I really don't. I mean, the the people that tend to really care about that stuff are, you know, tech people like like me and you and, and maybe some listeners of the show. Uh, the I don't think the average user really cares about the same stuff that, that we do in a lot of cases because we're we're really deep into the stuff, you know, and um, that's a bit different, I think, than the average user. Now, looking at things that would be reasonable for an iPhone 5, not confirming or denying anything you might know, does Apple have to have a larger screen size because there are so many Android devices out there with screens of over four inches? Is that a compelling reason? I don't think that's a compelling reason for for Apple to do anything. And I think if you look at Apple's history, they don't typically do things just because their competition does. Um, 
if Apple comes out with a, a larger screen, it'll be because they feel that's best for the iPhone, not because Samsung has one or HTC has one or anybody else. We should point out that in testifying in court this case involving Apple and Samsung, was it Phil Schiller who said Apple doesn't do focus groups and customer surveys like that? I'm not sure who said that, but that that makes a lot of sense for for Apple because a lot of the companies are putting out products that they feel and they de- the, the companies are developing these products for what they feel customers want right now. And because of that, I, I, I think that they always find themselves behind. So therefore, if Henry Ford did a focus group, what you would have ended up with would be a better horse and buggy, not a car. Exactly. That's the famous thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's basically uh, what you end up with. And what Apple tries to do is to to look ahead and say, we think in, you know, three years, this is what you're going to want. And in a lot of cases, uh, you know, we've we've seen that maybe consumers don't even know they want that yet until it's there. So, Well, we look at, for example, smartphones. If you look at the prototypes that Apple's displaying over at that trial, they're showing that Samsung in 2006 had smartphones that looked like Blackberries with a physical keyboard. Then right. Apple in 2007 comes out with the iPhone with a touchscreen. And guess what? After that, all the phones started looking like iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear that Samsung has copied Apple. It's also pretty clear that Samsung copied other companies before that. It's it's what Samsung does. It's their MO, you know, and people can can dispute, you know, that Sam, you can't, uh, the big one I, that I'm getting from, from the Samsung apologists is that you can't copy a rectangle. Well, there's more to it than copying a rectangle. I mean, Apple put billions of dollars into R&D, and they came up with with a user interface. They came up with a design of a product that caught on with uh, consumers. And as soon as it did, then everybody started copying. Not just Samsung, other companies as well. Samsung is the worst offender, I think. And uh, Google as well. Google started copying them just as bad with with Android. Now, when Google bought Android in 2005 and they brought it into the company, they didn't think of touch screens and all that stuff. Their competition would have been, I think, fundamentally Microsoft and the original Windows Mobile because Google considered Microsoft to be their number one potential enemy, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when all this stuff was going on, the the so-called enemies of of everybody were different i mean at that time you know blackberry was was the big smartphone and you know they were on top of the world so all the phones out there look like blackberries well i think that all the phones out there were trying to compete with blackberry and the big problem that that phones had at that time was the lack of an operating system uh you know because blackberry had the the BlackBerry OS, and and that was theirs. Nobody else could have that. Well, then Apple came out with iOS, which was a much better operating system than than what uh, BlackBerry had, and that was the new OS to beat. 
Well, then, you know, Google switched its focus from from having a BlackBerry clone to having an iOS clone. And now, you know, Android, they're trying to make Android look exactly like iOS. As much as possible, but as Apple earns patents for different features, like slide to unlock, suddenly they're caught red-handed. Yeah. I think in this sense, then, maybe Microsoft is being more innovative because Metro doesn't look like anybody else's OS, although it does have a touchscreen. We have Jim Dalrymple. He's from The Loop at loopinsight.com. He's the guy who gives you the one-word answers where he knows what's going on. He's got these sources he can't tell you about because that's what real journalism is all about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, disasterstuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. Disasterstuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? Disasterstuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8-inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMPBAG when you check out at DisasterStuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze-dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. 
spelled A-L-K-A, vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at alkavision.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, Jim Dalrymple will not tell me. He's known me for a number of years, but he will not tell me who his sources are either. Because, like I said, that's true journalism. If somebody gives you something on background, they give you some information, you have to respect them. Otherwise, that source dries up. And we don't have as much of this pure journalism anymore. So there's my compliment to you. Take it, because that's all you're going to get today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's true. It's, that's, that's what we have to do. I mean, I've, I've been in this business now for 20 years, so... I've I've built up a, a lot of contacts over the years. That's that's what you have to do. Okay, let's take a look at some of the other implications to the things that we're talking about here. We're looking at the way other companies imitated Apple, but Microsoft not so much. I mean, Microsoft is trying to follow Apple in terms of a virtual keyboard, but the Metro interface from the Zune, from Windows Phone, and now coming to Windows 8, that's a totally different tact, isn't it? It's something yeah. like a modern-day version of Bob? It really is a different tact. And, you know, I give Microsoft credit for taking a different tact, but I, geez, I just don't know. I don't think, I don't think it'll work. I, I really don't. I, I, that, a desktop OS on a tablet with, you know, some kind of mode that's supposed to do touch display, that's, that's not going to fly. Well, consider this. Microsoft just introduced a public beta of Office 2013 for Windows. There's not going to be, I guess at this point, Office 2013 for the Mac, maybe Office 2014, whatever. But what it does, it looks like the previous version of Office, I think 2010. But the difference is that if you have a PC with touch-enabled, some of the ribbons will expand to work better with your finger but you still have the incessant dialogues and everything else. So it's like a very, 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 not a half-baked solution, maybe a quarter-baked solution? <laughs> I think it might be a three-quarter-baked solution. Um, or an eighth-of-a-baked solution. <laughs> you, you can't have 
desktop apps on a touch device. To me, you have to have touch apps on a touch device and desktop apps on a desktop device. Microsoft is trying to have everything at once, and I don't think that you can do that. And I've said all along that I I think it's great that Microsoft didn't blindly follow Apple like uh, Samsung and Google and and, uh, all the other companies. I I do give them credit for that. I just – I. If they were going to put out um, a Windows operating system for the tablet, which they've done, and a desktop OS, and they want to sort of combine those OSs, okay, I, I can I can accept that. But then to take the desktop apps and put a touch mode in them, I, I think that's going to confuse people because, I mean, the right way to do it is to to obviously take your your apps and make touch versions of those apps. It looks to me like they're trying to shoehorn this particular vision of Metro everywhere and make it fit everywhere, kicking and screaming. Yeah, yeah. Now, Peter Bright for Ars Technica, I've pointed out this article a number of times over the past few weeks. And I want to read you what he said about uh, the office on a Surface tablet. Sure, go ahead. Okay, Peter says... These are not touch applications, and you will not want to use them on touch systems. They're designed for mice, and they're designed for keyboards, and making the buttons on the ribbon larger does nothing to change that fundamental fact. And that's it in a nutshell, right there. That's kind of like I just talked about before. I haven't read his comment, but that's it. And, of course, Microsoft, unlike Apple, Microsoft uses focus groups, and they cite the focus groups as an example of, well, we're just giving the customers what they want, which is different than giving the customers what they will need five years from now, which is why Microsoft tends to come out with products that emulate stuff that other companies did a year or two back, because that gives time for those features to enter the ecosystem and for people to realize, well, I like that feature. That would be nice to have. And that's totally the opposite backwards way of being innovative. Well, and in fact, you could argue that Microsoft is not being innovative in the slightest because they're they're actually they're not innovating anything. They're giving customers what they already know and what they think that they want. I mean, to be innovative, you have to take an idea and move forward with it. And Microsoft is already, you know, a couple of years behind. And they didn't move forward with anything. So, you know, I think it's unfortunate for them. I I really don't think that um, in the long run it's going to work. They will sell some because, you know, IT people live on Microsoft stuff breaking down. So they'll, they'll sell some, but I don't think that they'll owe to the iPad. The problem would be then in the enterprise, I don't see penetration for Windows 8 because one of the issues, of course, is user training. Yeah. And it's not that hard to bring someone from Windows XP to Windows 7. And by the way, this is something I mentioned earlier in the show with our previous guest. And that is the market share of Windows XP right now, as we do this show, is about 43%. The market share of Windows 7 is slightly less, but also in the 43% range. So now we have companies just embracing the operating system that came out some time back. And now we've got the next operating system with a totally different interface, much more difficult to use, not intuitive. And I think in the enterprise, companies will say, 
if we're going to upgrade our Windows equipment, we'll get Windows 7. Windows 8 isn't going to work unless we could just dispatch and kill Metro. That's going to be a serious problem. I mean, think yeah. of employee retraining. Oh, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that companies have to think about, not the least of which is the fact that the Windows uh, 7 upgrades that a lot of people did were not very good. You know, they didn't work out so well. In what so, sense? In what sense? Well, I, Windows 7 wasn't all that Microsoft promised it would be. So it was difficult to use. It, it wasn't as friendly as what Microsoft said. And I think, you know, the more that Microsoft does things like that, uh, the more that, you know, people start to back off doing these upgrades. Let me ask you a question. Why is it more difficult? Because of the reliance on ribbons instead of traditional menu bars? Well, no, I mean, the, the whole upgrade, Windows 7 itself, uh, they tried to make it uh, more secure, and in doing so, they made it more intrusive, and, you know, people just didn't like Windows 7. So that's why Microsoft abandoned it, you know, pretty Aren't quick. we talking more about Windows Vista more than 7? Yeah, but 7 was still not the greatest. Uh, I mean, Vista was just a disaster, and and they did a much better job with 7. But when you start looking at what they've done since XP, I mean, it, it hasn't been great. Seven wasn't wasn't great. It was much better. But when you look at what what Apple has done with its upgrades for Lion and Mountain Lion over the last two versions, like Vista and Windows Seven, they've been pretty smooth. I mean, you know, you just kind of install it and it works. The other thing is too, you don't need retraining. I mean, there are a couple of iOS thingies that you can kill in system preferences a few things not that many yeah. but by and large under lion and mountain lion you use it like a mac with windows 8 and metro you use it like what yeah exactly. you don't know what to do with it i mean you're stuck with something that's totally different with no proven success record i mean for windows phone i guess part of it is is that you get your information and go. That's kind of the thing where you just quickly check things in the tiles and updates from your friends and your Facebook and your Twitter, and you get on with your business. It's not meant to have lots of apps and spend a lot of time with the interface. And maybe that works with a smartphone, although Windows Phone has been a total failure. It was a failure for AT&T, which spent $150 million advertising Windows Phone 7.5 on the Lumia 900 from Nokia, as being the first real smartphone that isn't a beta. Big advertising campaign. And if you look at the sales, what, 70% of the phones they're selling are iPhones, even though there are reports that AT&T is encouraging their salespeople to steer customers away from the iPhone and into Android phones because they make more money from them. Yeah. <sighs> Where do you go with that? So this is something that doesn't even work. It failed on Windows Phone. It failed on the Zune, which is where, you know, the beginnings of Metro came from. So you take something that has no success record, has not been shown to be a robust operating system that people will embrace, except in small numbers, and what you do is you bet the ranch on it. There you go. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For health and vitality for you, your family, and friends, get the Healthy Start Pack from Longevity, as recommended by registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs. If you're a junk food junkie, getting on the Healthy Start Pack is one of the best ways to wean yourself off of processed snack foods and start putting good nutrition in your body. If you have a loved one who's dealing with heart disease or any health challenge, the Healthy Start Pack makes a great gift. If you have a grandparent or a parent in a nursing home, you will be amazed at the difference a once-a-day dose of the Healthy Start Pack will make in your loved one's energy levels, in their memory, in their mood, and in their general outlook on life. Give the gift of optimal health to your loved ones and order the Healthy Start Pack from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebed.com. That's brightsidebed.com. Order today. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're focusing on what Apple might do, what Apple has done, what Microsoft is trying to do to shoehorn everybody into using Metro. And as I said, with Apple's new OS, whatever you have to say about it, Maybe you don't like the iOS-inspired eye candy. You don't like messages, formerly iChat. You don't like contacts, formerly address book. These are just minor things. Most of the interface elements are familiar. And some people are criticizing Apple as being not innovative enough. But if you learned in 1984 how to use point and click and it works, unless you have something better, why change it? Well, I'm I'm all for innovation and, and changing things, but... You can't change things just to change them. There's no point in bringing some kind of a touch interface to a desktop that isn't optimized for a touch interface. That's just not a good plan. You have to have a plan, and it doesn't seem like Microsoft does. That's not going to be a good thing for them in the long run. Now, we know that Windows 8 went to manufacturing this week. A near final version was available as a public beta, so it's probably not going to be that much different. Then we have the Surface, which is supposed to ship about the time that Windows 8 does, which is the latter part of October, but we hear nothing about the Surface. We don't hear any more about it shipping on the end of October. We don't hear a final purchase price. The specs are still bare bones, and you'd think if you're going to ship a product 
two and a half months from now. It already has to be in the early stages of final production, right? Yeah, you would think. And I'm looking here at Welcome to Microsoft Surface on Microsoft site, okay? And the site is microsoft.com slash surface. You click about, you get about four paragraphs about it. You have the option to download the spec sheet. And they show it, you know, looking like a miniaturized Windows notebook with that cover and the inside cover has a keyboard and the touchpad. You look at the specs and the basic specs are minimalist. Very few specs about what it's going to contain. Very little information about it, except, of course, you have the weight, you have the thickness, you have the OS version, a little bit about the battery and the connection ports, but not much else. And this is something that's two and a half months from shipping? What is Microsoft doing? Is this just a joke? Well, (laughs) I would like to think not, but you kind of have to wonder, don't you? Yes, it has to be in manufacturing. And at this point, having introduced the Surface in kind of a semi-useful fashion. I mean, when they had that media event several weeks ago and it was really done in a crazy fashion where you know it's going to be in Los Angeles, but they don't tell you the place, the location, until the day of. And if you ever tried to cope with L.A. traffic, you know how screwy that was. Trying to make it more secretive than Apple. Yeah. and Which is... Just stupid. It's dumb. And they let you look but barely touch. So I think somebody tried the touch interface, said it lagged. Somebody tried to type on it and couldn't type the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Couldn't complete, (laughs) what, about 10 seconds of typing before they grabbed it away from him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, they weren't going to introduce it until the end of 2013. I could see that. But not when you're only a couple months out. And remember, in January of 2007, when they introduced the first iPhone, the ones on display were working products. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I I was playing with them. He was playing with them. He got a chance to try it out, spend a little time with it. Yeah. They didn't take it away from you after 10 seconds. Jim, no. look, but don't touch. It was actually, you know, some hands-on time with the, the new iPhone at that point. So that's that's what you want. I mean, you you want to go in and and touch it and and see for yourself. You can listen to Steve Jobs or Ballmer or Bill Gates all day long talking about how wonderful something is, but until you actually get your hands on it yourself, I mean, that's that's what it really takes. Now, the first iPad was introduced weeks before it first came out. Not like, you know, a week or 10 days just to get everybody ready to pre-order. Weeks before it first came out, but when the media attended Apple's rollout of the first iPad, you got a chance to sit down and use it and know that it worked. It wasn't this 10-second routine. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exact same thing. And, you know, everyone since then. So Uh, I don't understand some members of the media trying to speculate about the Surface, a product that physically is vapor. All you saw were barely functional prototypes, only a few months from alleged final shipment. The specs are still bare bones. Now, Steve Ballmer called it, what, a design point, as opposed to something that's going to really compete with OEMs? Or was that it? They present this saying, look, here's what we can come up with as a concept, your ideas for a Metro Windows 8 tablet, your ideas are lousy, here's one of our ideas, maybe use this as influence, and that was it? 
Well, I, I don't disagree with the fact that Microsoft should come out and make a, a hardware product of their own because obviously people were not fulfilling the or companies were not fulfilling the the vision that Microsoft had for its tablets. It goes back it, to place for sure and the digital music players. Yeah, they came out with I mean, a Zoom because nobody else had a better idea on that platform. As it turned out, Microsoft couldn't do it either. They couldn't defeat the the iPod. Um, I don't I don't blame Microsoft for coming out because the products that have come out, you know, from their partners have been crap. So you know, go ahead and put out a product and and show uh, customers what your vision is. And if OEMs don't follow that vision and want to do something else, then they can. But, you know, then maybe that's not the best way to go. Maybe it is. You know, they could all of a sudden take off and it could be the best product in the history of the world. I don't think so. But, you know, more likely it's it's going to be a ho-hum thing and it's going to have a ho-hum release and then it'll stop. And, of course, if you don't have a big rollout, just – sell it at the four or five Microsoft stores, whatever they are, and you sell it online, if it disappears, nobody will care. They won't be putting hundreds of millions of dollars into publicizing it. They'll try. But their vision of the surface, from what I see in the pictures, it's just a thinner Windows notebook. It is not a separate device. They can't conceive of the tablet being separate from a personal computer. Yeah, and you know, I, I guess that's the the point, is that are we ready for a tablet to become the personal computer? Is is this it? Is this the time? I don't think it is. I, I, I really don't. I think that we're ready to use the, the tablet a lot more than what we, we have even in the last few years. And I think as... As tablets continue to uh, to get more powerful and apps get a lot better, then we are going to use those a lot more than than personal computers, desktop PCs, or notebooks. But we're not at the point where we can or or want to use one over the other. And Microsoft is kind of forcing us or forcing their customers into this into trying to to take one or the other. And they say it's the best of both worlds that you can have, but really it's not. It's a, it's more of a PC software world on a tablet hardware world, and that's not the best. Shoehorning. Yeah. And the difference being, of course, that with the iPad, what Apple did was to make this a totally distinct device derived from the iPhone, because if you go back to Apple's original design goals, they were experimenting with tablets before they forked it off for the iPhone. But the point being, they expected customers to interface with it differently. And in a sense, the way the app grows and the way the ecosystem grows influenced Apple to expand on the various purposes. They didn't force you into doing something. They gave you a concept and they saw where it went. Yeah. And that's, I mean, just listening to you talk there, that's it's a big difference. It's a big difference. I just don't know that Microsoft understands the market that it wants to get into. You know, because and, they're depending on focus groups rather than trying to think. extract the creativity of the people who work for them. 
We have Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. The worst drought in 50 years continues, and the first six months of 2012 marks the hottest half year on record. 78% of the Midwest Corn Belt is in drought conditions. Not only corn, but soy, alfalfa, fruits, vegetables, and wheat are all impacted, raising prices. The cost to feed livestock is forcing farmers and ranchers out of business, blowing up your food prices. The only strategy to counter this is to freeze your food cost at today's prices by getting your own supply of foods from eFoods Direct now. As the price of raw ingredients increases, eFoods will have to raise prices too. Now is the time to get your supply. I recently increased my supply from eFoods Direct because we have all known this was coming. You know about their delicious long-term storable foods. The fact is, you can eat at any time to save money today. And because it stores for 25 years, you're locking in today's prices and avoiding the rising food cost. Don't wait. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on eFoodsDirect. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient 
nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganix.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganix. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Jim Dower, Uncle of the Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we are focusing on a lot of fascinating subjects, one of which, of course, has been what Apple might introduce on September 12th. And I gather from what Jim says, you can take that date to the bank. And all he's going to say if I ask him that question is, I gave you time for another yep. <laughs> uh, I thought you wanted me to be quiet. No, we can take that date to the bank, right? September yeah. 12th. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, back to Microsoft. Microsoft, depending on the focus groups. The question I have with all this is even a lot of people who normally favor Microsoft in their commentary, they're saying, what is this? This is not quite what we're expecting or hoping for. Does that look like Microsoft is poised for a big fall, that Microsoft could find themselves, well having to make a Windows 9 real fast to fix what ails Windows 8? See, now, that I don't know about. I think it's going to depend a lot on on what the users think of this whole Metro interface because Microsoft is really invested in this interface now. You know, this the interface and the Surface tablet is their focus. You know, so this is where they're going. Understand here, when Microsoft invests in something, it's billions and billions of dollars. Microsoft spends a whole lot more to build a new OS than Apple does. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> there, there could be, uh, you know, a few reasons for that. One, they, they haven't gotten it right. Uh, so they have to keep trying to re-architect uh, uh, their, their OS. They're not efficient. Well, no, they're not very efficient. And um, uh, to my mind, Microsoft tries to be too backward compatible. I, and I'm not a believer in that. You know, Microsoft is worried about people's old PCs still being able, you know, still uh, being able to load the new operating system. But wouldn't they sure? want to work with the hardware makers and encourage them to sell new hardware for the new operating system? Well, you would think. But, you know, they they try and make it. Uh, backwards compatible and they try and make all the apps backwards compatible and you know what at some point you just have to cut the ties to the past and say look if you want this new operating system and it's very good and it's going to make you productive and it's going to do wonderful things if you want it then you're going to have to upgrade your your old computer and And you can buy a cheap pc notebook for six hundred dollars 
a cheap desktop for $500, that will be far more powerful than your 10-year-old box. So that's a reason. That should be a reason that OEMs should demand Microsoft remove backwards compatibility just for that reason. Of course, Microsoft is also sacrificing a lot of money on the table because the upgrade for Windows 8 Pro is $39.99, which is what, less than half as much as they used to charge? Yeah, I mean, they. that's the other thing. Microsoft had some outrageous pricing for years. And, you know, Apple has, uh, they've done, what, $29.95 for the, for the last couple of versions. Um, I don't even know if Lion was, that might have been 1995 too. But Lion now- was $29.99. And Mountain Lion is nineteen ninety nine. Now, I want to ask you a couple other questions about backwards compatibility. There are criticisms about Mountain Lion being too restrictive. And a lot of this sort of relates to the question of graphics drivers because so many things basically harness the power of the graphics chip. So if your Mac's a little bit too old and it can't boot in 64-bit kernel and all this arcane stuff, well, that's a reason why it's not compatible, but it gets to be more complicated than that, okay? So we know that Macs that are three and a half to almost five years old can run Mountain Lion. The others are stuck with Lion. But now we look at specific features and it gets worse, like AirPlay mirroring. If you don't have a Mac that was updated in 2011, and by the way, even the Mac Pro isn't included, you can't use AirPlay mirroring. Why? Well, and, and see, that's where... Uh, you get some of these fancy features that that need the hardware uh, and the software combination in order to make things work. And, and Apple determined that it's only the newer computers that that could do this. So, you know, if you want these new and fancy features, which I do, then you have to be willing to go out and and buy the systems that will run them. I mean. You know, they have to make that cutoff point somewhere. And Apple is an innovative company. So they could say, okay, we're going to release AirPlay mirroring, but it's going to suck, but it'll go back for four years and you can use your old computer to do it. Those that bought new computers, well, you know, whatever. So Apple is very much focused here on the general user experience. Of course, they want to sell new Macs. But the general user experience is a big focus. I mean, let's go back to, for example, the first Mac OS X releases, which had a fair amount of backwards compatibility. But a lot of those Macs couldn't get any level of decent performance under OS X. And as Apple has added more powerful features, they keep killing older models for the same reason. Again, well, Apple sells hardware. They want you to buy a new Mac. But yeah, but if you got a three- to five-year-old computer, what do you expect it to do? Well, I mean... (laughs) The fact that you can have a Mac four or five years old and it's still working and it's still going, I think is a testament to the quality of the the computer. But, you know, if you want the new features in a car, you can't expect that it's all going to work on your old car. Even if you have um, a GPS system and they come out with new data, chances are it's not going to work on your old car. I know that it does on some. 
uh, just in case you get emails from people. I know that it does on some, but I had one and it, the new data wouldn't work because it was, it was different. They had different maps and different computers and different things going on. So people with, with computers, it's the same thing. If Apple is concerned with the user experience and adding useful features that people will be able to use, not only with the, the Mac, but AirPlay mirroring on an iPad and an iPhone, these are features that are across the board for them. And if a computer can't handle it, well, then you can't use it. It's and simple- also it makes the platform less popular because people will say, well, I tried that and the experience is horrible. I don't recommend Macs because you're giving me a horrible user experience. Maybe I'll try Windows next time. I mean, people will think that. Up until a month ago, I have a music machine uh, that I use for recording music in, in my studio. And it was a 2005 Mac Pro dual core, uh, dual core. I was recording 13 instruments at once in Pro Tools. I mean, it was a fast system. It, it was great. I loved it. The only reason I upgraded it was because some of the new music hardware that was coming out wasn't compatible with that system. So I, I upgraded it about a month ago. But there's a seven-year-old computer that not only is doing well, it's recording live, a live band without a hitch. You know, that's pretty impressive to me. One of the things I really like about Mountain Lion is the fact that in reading the online chatter, there are very, very few bugs of any note, which surprises me because Lion had a few problems. This guy has no problems. He's Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 
800-34-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. And coming up next, by the way, is Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. Okay, Jim, talking about Mountain Lion, I'm going to ask you one other issue of questions in a moment. Have you seen any real confirmed bugs of any note in Mountain Lion? The only thing I've seen which has been echoed over at the Apple discussion forums is sometimes you have like a software update, which are now pushed all to the Mac App Store application, and sometimes you try to update something and it says waiting and never gets off waiting. And I found that force quitting and maybe launching App Store again fixes that. Have you heard that? I, I haven't heard that one. I do hear, like you said, it, it, with people when you update, it goes to the Mac App Store now. I've heard people talking about or complaining about some of the new ways that Apple does things in Mountain Line. But that happens with every operating system, whether it's, you know, Mac or Windows or a, a version of either of those, you know, and Lion or you know, new features come in. People don't understand the new features or don't understand how it works. And, you know, they post about that. A lot of times it's not a, a complaint as much as it is uh, a comment. And again, whether it's Windows or Mac, it doesn't really matter. It's a feature, uh, not a bug. Right. You know, uh, people will load in uh, Metro and as soon as they load that in, the, they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, now you have to do this in order to make something work. 
And, you know, is that a, a bug? No, it's, it's a change to the way Microsoft did things. And it's the same way with Lion. You know, I've, I've been using it since February, uh, Mountain Lion. So I'm pretty used to a lot of the things that, that people are bringing up as, you know, stuff that they don't like, like the monochrome icons. Now people were saying, Oh, I really don't like those. And I, I brought up my window and said, geez, they are monochrome. I, I've been using it since February. You know, I obviously, Meant, I even mentioned it back then that they were monochrome uh, icons, so I did notice. But as you get used to it, it's you know it's something that goes away. And if you're colorblind, it doesn't matter. Exactly. But the point being, of course, that you were running Mountain Lion from the very first developer preview, which is startling because normally a developer preview or a beta version of an operating system is pretty rough. I got started full-time right after the WWDC. And I upgraded a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro, one of those endangered species. It's no longer being made. And it ran pretty well. In fact, I took the thing to some location recording sessions, and it worked fine. Then I went on my desktop Mac. I'm going to take a chance. I'll do it. And I didn't look back. Let's look at one other thing here maybe before we go. All right. So with Mountain Lion, Apple introduces Safari 6 with some new features such as the unified address bar, that can be either a search request address bar or URL, depending on what you type. It's just contextual. It figures it out, like Google Chrome does that. Okay, has some interesting features, but supposedly a lot of security fixes. Uh, one security writer told me like 100 security fixes for Safari 6. They introduced Safari 6 for Lion, so you get the same features. If you're using an older Mac OS, Snow Leopard, Leopard, no more updates. Goodbye. Does that mean that suddenly the Safari version they're using is not secure? Well, I, I think that Apple, you know, when they release their security updates, uh, they've done, you know, everything that they can to keep Safari secure. And, I, you know, I think it is pretty secure. But obviously, as new software comes out and you find things, you're going to fix them. But I still think that the old versions are, are pretty secure. So it's not as if if you, for whatever reason, are using Snow Leopard and the older version, a Safari 5 version, you don't have to suddenly say, no, I'm going to go to Mozilla, Firefox, or Chrome or something, that Safari will suddenly be subject to all sorts of possible malware. I don't believe so. I mean, I'm not a security expert, but, you know, if I have computer that's, uh, you know, on Snow Leopard, I'm not... I'm not going to start using Mozilla because um, they're not updating Safari anymore. Now, I see also Safari is apparently not being updated or even made available anymore for the Windows platform. Do you see evidence that Apple made a conscious decision not to support Windows anymore? I don't know. That's that's a, actually a, a good question. I, I don't know. Okay, so we have to see what Apple's going to do. Now, I can also see that possibly Safari 6 requires certain features that are not present in anything but Lion and Mountain Lion. It's not just that they don't upgrade the earlier version of Safari. It is they can't. Well, and, you know, that, that goes along with everything that we've been talking about today. I mean, it's just, it's time. Got to move on. And even if your computer doesn't run Mountain Lion, maybe it'll run Lion, although apparently Apple has removed Lion from their App Store website. So I guess you're going to have to go through a couple of hoops to get a copy of that if you have an older Mac that doesn't run Mountain Lion. I gather, though, that just about anything that runs Lion well that is compatible hardware-wise 
will run Mountain Lion well and not that many new system incompatibilities will be present. I know of a few. For example, one of the audio capture apps that we use, which is Wiretap Studio from Ambrosia Software, the tools that they use for Lion to capture audio have to be different tools in Mountain Lion. So there are a few things that don't work. But for the most part, just about any app that ran in Lion runs in Mountain Lion. Yeah, uh, with the exception of of that, I I haven't found any app that doesn't run. Everything seems to run fine for me and has been running fine for me. And you're running it at a time when it wasn't as safe to run Mountain Lion as it is for the rest of us now. Yeah, and you know my... Every day I use that that OS. That's that's what I did, and it was it was great. So I can't imagine that that there's a problem. But you know, every that's why you, you can't you can't really um, count on on you know just one person because everybody's setup is different. Everybody. My bug isn't your bug. Exactly. But if ten thousand people report the same bug, we assume that Apple has to pay attention. Okay, we have a couple of minutes left. I want to focus on tablets. I'm going to ask you one of those questions that requires a yes or no answer. Will there be a one more thing or any other product introduced on September 12th by Apple? Oh, that's a surprise. That's a surprise. You won't tell us. But you know. Like I said, on September the 12th, I think that people will have a a good day. What about the so-called iPad mini is such a beast going to happen yeah I've seen those reports okay what do you think about those reports are those reports pointing to something that Apple can or should do you know a a lot of people have talked about uh, a 7 inch tablet from Apple and it'll be interesting to see what Apple could do with a a seven inch tablet because technology has changed a lot in the past couple of years. So, you know, I, I think that if Apple releases an iPad mini, it'll be again, not because their competition did, but because it's something that Apple uh, feels strongly about strategically that they can dominate that market. Now the rumors talk about a 7.85 inch tablet, just a bit bigger than the 7-inch tablets, also a 4 to 3 aspect ratio, not the 16.9, which means you get more screen real estate. And I think one estimate had like 66% of the full-size iPad. So suddenly you don't have to have it supplied with sandpaper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the the thoughts of what can be done. And, you know, you have uh, the retina display, you have display technology uh, alone has changed in in the 3 years uh, since the the introduction of the iPad so you know you've got you've got a lot of things to take into consideration when looking at and you're you're absolutely right a 7.85 so you know you're almost looking at excuse me an 8 inch tablet you're looking for example at say a 66% of the full-size iPads real estate, as I'm saying. Jim Dalrempel, tell us where we can find more of your stuff. You can get me at loopinsight.com or jdalrempel on Twitter. Jim Dalrempel, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene.
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. 
You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. And you over at your organization, Adam, have been really busy because you're turning out a torrent, not a bit torrent, but a torrent <laughs> of literature about Mountain Lion. Explain. Oh, it's been just nuts. Uh, yes, with Mountain Lion coming out on the 25th, if we wanted to have ebooks available about Mountain Lion, not to mention articles and tidbits, we had to be ready. And so we have been working on Mountain Lion and getting all of our ducks in a row basically since, you know, June. You know, once once Apple had WBC, it was pretty clear that uh, that we were going to be, you know, all hands on deck uh, working nonstop until the actual ship date. Now, the nice thing, of course, is that Apple released a golden master of Mountain Lion. That's the final shipping version, what, a couple of three weeks before the final release date. So you had that much time to double-check everything. Well, yes and no. Golden Master, or, or GM as they, people, some people will call it, is a, a term left over from the days of software being released on CD or DVD or, frankly, floppy disk. And the idea was is the Golden Master was what you sent to the plant to be duplicated. This is what Microsoft calls release to manufacturing. Precisely, RTM in that, in that particular case. The problem with that is that what Apple calls GM and releases, say, three weeks before something final is going to come out, doesn't have to be GM. If they found a really bad bug, they could put a new one in. It's a situation where it's nice to have the GM, but we do not believe that it is final until the actual ship date. At the ship date, though, the version appears to have been the same one. It does, and it was for Lion as well. But again, one of those things, Apple's a complete black box. Just because they say something in one form or fashion does not mean that you necessarily can believe them or get any confirmation of that. They call it golden master seed, and that's the buzzword seed, which means, of course, it could be the golden master or a golden master candidate, and they'll spend a couple more weeks before they make it available for download to make sure that it really works properly. Yes. And and keep in mind, we're doing a couple of different books in what the publishing industry is called day and date, which means your book comes out on the exact same day as the software. We're doing Take Control of Upgrading to Mountain Lion, Joe Kissel's book, and Take Control of Using Mountain Lion, Matt Newberg's book. Now, with using, we're actually pretty comfortable with the Golden Master because Apple's not going to change how the features work. It might make a feature work that didn't before in some small way, but nothing is going to change that's going to change the look of dialogues or some user experience. That's not going to change. More of the problem is for Joe, 
with the upgrading book because Apple could much more easily in the Golden Master change how the installer works. And so that's the kind of thing where he wants either to know that it is exactly the same build number or that he wants a few hours to verify that it works in the same way before he actually lets us put the book out. Now, we also have to trust Apple that they won't release a new build and not change the build number. That never happens, though. I, I would be surprised. That would be, that would be bad form at the programmer level. Because they would have no way of being able to match bugs back to a build number. So I'd be surprised if they would ever push out a build without changing the build number. And I did look at the two versions of the installers, and they have the same creation dates and all that stuff. I'll accept it as being the real thing. Let's not assume conspiracy theories, because this is the age of conspiracy theories. You obviously haven't spent as much time in Mountain Lion as your hardworking authors. But maybe a personal experience... Did you just simply run an upgrade and that was it? Well, I did. And so so I have I have two main Macs that I work on. I have a Mac Pro which honestly is still running Snow Leopard because Lion honestly I wasn't impressed with Lion. I found Lion relatively pointless. It didn't give me any functionality that I needed, and uh, it didn't change the way I was going to interact with my Mac in any big ways because I had already built up very, very efficient ways of working with my Mac. My MacBook, however, I upgraded to Lion on day one, or actually the Golden Master, and similarly, I brought that, that Mac up to Mountain Lion on day one. Now, you never know. You never know whether or not you know you got a bad install for some reason or you should have done a clean install or whatever. But the Lion install on that MacBook was never really happy. It was sluggish. I had weird behaviors. Just never liked it. And it, this is part of the reason why I never upgraded my Mac Pro to Lion either was the MacBook was not a big success. So uh, with Mountain Lion, I specifically followed Joe's advice for a clean install where you you know you make a bootable duplicate, you boot from the bootable duplicate, you erase the internal hard disk, you install Mountain Lion on the on the hard disk, and then you migrate all your files over. You use Migration Manager, perhaps. Uh, in this case, you actually, as part of the installer, there's a version of Migration Assistant that runs. I think it's called okay. Assistant. It is essentially though a Migration Manager where it's going <laughs> to yeah. migrate the rest of your content from another drive. Yes. And so I intended to do that. <laughs> and I say I intended to do that because at some point after it had migrated my applications, but before it had migrated my user accounts and all my data and everything like that, the hard disk fell off the USB bus for reasons I don't understand. So it's, it, the migration basically failed. It left me with a perfectly functional mountain lion system but, and with my applications, but without any of my data or, or like application preferences or anything like that. So I ended up with, with, with sort of actually a cool test system because it's got applications and everything, but it's otherwise completely f clean. You know, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have, you know, lots of cruft left over that was migrated back from, from old, old systems or anything like that. And I have to say that sort of on first feel, it feels better. It feels faster. It feels tighter. And it just doesn't have some of the cruftiness that, that, that the Lion install on this particular MacBook had. Keep in mind, this is a slow, old MacBook. It's a, you know, it's, I will not say it's the oldest available that can run Mountain Lion, but it's not far off that. It's a 2008 aluminum MacBook. 
Okay, this is the one from the latter part of 2008. If you have a MacBook from the earlier part of the year, like my son's black MacBook, he's stuck in line. It will never run Mountain Lion. Now, I've been checking online for problems with Mountain Lion, and I do see sluggish performance zapping the PRAM. A zap sometimes fixes things like that. But once again, the clean install, which is installing Mountain Lion on an empty drive and then restoring your content or reinstalling everything. On the Windows platform, if you do a clean install, you pretty much have to reinstall everything. There's not that simple migration. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little of two minds on that because on the one hand, I actually think Migration Assistant is brilliant. That you know, it's re- it is just amazing to me that Apple can let you reinstall the operating system totally nice and clean and fresh, and then bring everything back, and your Mac will be just the way you left it. That's actually pretty impressive. What you know, on the other hand, however, there are times when. I do think that it is nice to take the opportunity to say, I'm going to have this clean install. I'm going to move my documents over and, you know, maybe my preferences, you know, or have my preferences available, but I'm going to reinstall applications. Because, again, this is potentially a little bit funkier for someone in my position where I test just hundreds and hundreds of software programs a year. And so my applications and my preferences get all messed up with all kinds of things that I'm going to use once or twice. And so it is nice to have that kind of clean, fresh start every now and then. So I, I sort of want to do that with Mountain Lion. I suspect I'm going to wait until I buy the next Mac, frankly. Well, I've always used the Migration Assistant to introduce new Macs into the workflow. I haven't had any real problems. I did have one really weird issue, and I sent you an email about it, I think. And there was something, some kind of runaway process, runaway process, something that's was just sucking up memory and slowing down Mountain Lion, something called an A-B assistant process. And what was an A-B assistant process? It was an address book. Someone's after us, I see. There they are right now. They're, they're stealing my address book. I better go after them. Yeah, okay, so it was an A-B assistant process that you have an application on the Mac called activity monitor. So if things are running slow, you can see if something is just grabbing too much memory. So this AB assistant was just taking lots and lots of CPU time. And because it relates to address book, I got to look at contacts to see what was going on and wanted to see if there's anything in the way the contacts works that would cause it to go screwy. So I did, of course, something that was simple and drastic because I really wanted to get this solved as quickly as possible. But you know what? I'm going to tell you what the solution was in our next segment. We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? More important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. 
Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is being brought to you by Friendly Integration. They're the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. You know, Eyeballs provides ultimate drop protection for parents and young children, educators, clumsy adults alike, like me. So learn more at www.eyeballs.info. That's balls with a Z, I-B-A-L-L-Z, dot info. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL to receive a 20% discount. We have Animinks of Take Control Books and Tidbits. I'm telling you about the weird AB assistant that was really using lots of memory under Mountain Lion. So what was the solution here? I quit iCloud, which stops the syncing process. And you get all these prompts, Adam, as you know. You quit iCloud, everything is going to be drastic. It's going to disappear in your computer. No, it's going to say that... It will possibly remove your contacts from your computer. Do you want to keep the contacts that are there now? And all sorts of stuff like that. So I did that. And then I went to the address book preferences. They're still called address book, the preferences, even though the program is now called contacts. And I got rid of them. And I launched contacts. And I checked it for a moment. And it seemed to be all right. Had the names that I wanted. Then I quit contacts and reconnected with iCloud. I came back to contacts and tried one thing I had run into a problem with, which is every time I would change one of my addresses in contacts, it would grab the older contact information from iCloud and replace it again. It was like the ghost of Christmas past. (laughs) I mean, you've heard of contacts and iCloud being really flaky. All right, but the runaway process 
That thing that was using memory, the AB assistant, it was history. Yeah. Now, I'm not surprised. I ran into something not entirely dissimilar to that actually in January when I'm going out to Macworld where I had a, a runaway process that was sucking a lot of CPU time and thus battery power on my MacBook while I was on the plane. And it turned out to be a, a related to iCloud bookmark syncing. And it was the same kind of thing where there was, I forget, there was a bookmark or something like that that was a little corrupt. And it, it, ha- it kept trying to sync and sync and sync. And I had to do a little bit of fiddling and then it all went away. Yeah, you can, you know, there's a lot of these little software processes in the background that you never think about because they're supposed to pop up, do something for a microsecond and then go away. And the problem is the name of the process that you see displayed in Activity Monitor may give you a clue to nothing. I looked up this AB Assistant thing online. I couldn't find anything that actually yeah. identified it, which really confused me. Yeah, that is the one and what a really good tip for people, actually, is if you get some weird process name or error message or something, do a Google search on the process name or error message text because very often other people have experienced this and they will put that in their request for help, which hopefully someone else has answered. You hope you'll find it. I didn't. I had to guess. Yeah. <laughs> you were the first. You need to post it now. I did, already did, I think. I posted it Good. in my blog. So and now you hear it on the radio. You hear the problem. The point being here is that that's not a lion problem or necessarily a mountain lion problem. In this case, it sounds like a problem with iCloud because iCloud is still flaky and my contact list on my Mac and my iPhone are different. Some names never sync. <laughs> it just doesn't like them. That's right. And they're good people. You know, one of yeah. the people who doesn't get synced on my iPhone, he's a former guest on the show. He's a friend, somebody I've known for 20 years. Really nice guy, really like him. But why does iCloud hate him? Oh, I don't know. I think you need to look at the conspiracy theory, put a list together of all those people and look for the commonalities. Maybe they were, you know, all in Berkeley in the 60s. Ooh, that might be a possibility. I think in his case, though, he doesn't use an iPhone. He doesn't use a Mac. Okay, that could be another commonality. If you don't use a Mac, maybe you don't get synced via iCloud. I mean, I'm just saying here, you got to look behind the scenes if you want to find out the, what the puffer master's doing. He's the enemy. No, he's not the enemy. <laughs> okay, but the key being here is that sometimes if things get screwy with a new operating system, you have to get back to the basics. Like you say, a clean install. Wipe the drive. I did that in kind of a semi-clean fashion from my internal drive because I hadn't cleaned it out in a long time. And I've done some cleanups. And Mountain Lion runs, to me, faster than Lion. I see a few graphics-related functions, like in one of the audio apps we use. There's a way to move an audio file in the timeline, kind of like GarageBand style. And I noticed that the motion was very ragged under Lion. With Mountain Lion, it's smooth as silk. So they did something with graphics. I thought you'd have an answer. I did, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any sense of that. I have not actually used programs under Mountain Lion enough to really have much more than a sense that it feels a little snappier. So, I think in general, though, other than the normal range of third-party app conflicts, installation issues, for the most part, Mountain Lion has come across pretty well. The people who I've been talking to who've been using it much more seriously than I have have been very positive about it. And one or two of them have even said something along the lines of Mountain Lion is the operating system that Lion wanted to be. 
Now, the impression I got with Lion is that it's the first iteration of Apple, including stuff from the iOS, and it seemed to be incomplete. Like, we got Lion out, but maybe if we had six months longer, they would have done a better job. Yeah. It does feel as though Apple... Well, Apple had been on a fairly regular schedule, and then actually with, you know, from Panther to Snow Leopard, the schedule bounced back and forth a bit, because that was during the time when they were really, you know, they were focusing on the iPhone for parts of it, and yeah, because iOS and macOS 10 use relatively similar technologies, some of the people were the same, so, you know, I forget which exact which big cat was an 18 month difference but you know some of them were quite a while between between new versions of mac os 10 and so to have you know lion come out and you know and then a year later have mountain lion come out and i think actually snow leopard was a was a year after leopard so you know so that apple seems to have gotten themselves back onto this yearly schedule which is makes sense in some ways but i think it also makes it a little bit harder for the upgrades to be as big just because it takes time to come up with big features and implement them and test them and everything. Well, 200 features ain't bad. But some of those features are just minor refinements. It's not like big 200 features. And then there's features they took out and didn't tell us about, like web sharing. (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know... How many people used web sharing? Three? Oh, no, lots of people use web sharing. If you, if you want to run, run a little web server on your Mac to test something or, or do some, you know, just put up a web server really quickly for some little purpose, it was one click. I didn't run anything. I, you don't run a production web server on it for sure. But, you know, it's definitely something that I, you know, I've turned on, you know, 20 or 30 times to see what happens. You can't always test HTML stuff with static files, Particularly if you're a developer doing, say, mobile websites, you really need to have them running on a web server. So, you know, there's a lot of times when being able to do that. But what was worse when Apple, although they didn't really take out web sharing, what they did was take out the interface for web sharing. So if you upgraded from Lion with web sharing turned on, it would bring that setting over to Mountain Lion with web sharing turned on and no way to turn it off. You'd have to go into the terminal. Precisely. So it's still there. You still have Apache web server and all that stuff, but Apple took out the interface. Why? Honestly, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me why they would bother. It's not as though this is something that was used by the majority of people, but it was used by plenty of people. And why would you remove an interface to a feature that's going to stay there? It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, And it wasn't like the interface was clogging things up or causing other problems. It, it was sounds like some... an interface element that you develop in five minutes. So it you was... can check a box or uncheck a box and the interface element is there. That's all it takes. So somebody didn't bother with the five minutes or said we can just get rid of this. Nobody uses it. And a reminder, once again, neighbors, that this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Friendly Integration Makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. Learn more at www.eyeballs.info. That's eyeballs with a Z.info. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special 20% discount. Adam Inkst at Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy 
We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power, a gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, foodstore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Adam Ingst of Tidbits and Take Control books, and we're kind of ragging on him as the only person on the planet who uses web sharing, and people do. But as I said, I know very little about programming. But something like this, a simple interface element, a checkbox, it's implemented in a few minutes. You take it out. It takes a few minutes to take it out. It takes a few minutes to bring it back in. You kind of think like a tinker tool or one of these third-party apps that someone does has all, all those tricks. Someone has already written a preference pane that basically gives you an on-off button, which is all it was before. So it was not hard to do. Basically, all you have to do is issue the appropriate commands behind the scenes to the Apache web server software. What I don't get is that Apple didn't have to do anything new. The web sharing interface in the sharing preference pane undoubtedly worked perfectly in Lion and would have worked perfectly in Mountain Lion with no changes because there are no changes in that particular area. Of the All office. this is is a pretty front end to a standard terminal command, as are lots of settings in Mac OS X. Precisely. And as it, it, it's a little like, we're starting to see a little bit more of this behavior on Apple's part, which I'm not entirely happy about. It's sort of the nanny state approach, where, for instance, in Lion, you can't see your library folder without holding down the option key when you click the, ta- click the Go menu. Or... This started actually at the very end of Snow Leopard. You can't drag items out of the Finder sidebar without holding down the command key. And they don't tell you this stuff. They just, it just goes away and you're left to treat it like, you know, a game of Super Mario where you have to discover the, you know, the special trick now to be able to do these perfectly normal things that people have been doing for many, many years. And suddenly Apple's decided we shouldn't be able to do them that way anymore. The secret handshake. It's kind of like Windows 8, where with Metro, there are a lot of functions there that are just perfectly hidden. And you either discover them by mistake, or you find the cheat sheet. Oh, it's, and it's just like, well, just like iOS, too, frankly, where vast amounts of the interface is hidden. And in some ways, it's an interesting philosophical approach. It's kind of the gamification of interface, where you have to treat every interface as an exploration. Because it's not obvious. One of the basic tenets of the Mac OS human interface guidelines for the longest time was to provide discoverability, to make it so that you could, you could click a menu and everything would be visible in that menu. You know, that you hid things up in a menu, but you didn't hide the menu. And now Apple is doing much, much more of hiding the menu or hiding things behind gestures. Well, you have to know to swipe right. Well, how would you know that? Yes, the secret gesture. Now, lots of gestures are explained in the trackpad preference panel. Yeah, some of them, um, but not. But those are more at the OS level. Once applications start um, supporting them, you just have to know. You know that you have to hope that the app developer will somehow document it in a convenient way. Right, and somehow tell you. And this is. And so this is just it's just generally a little frustrating to me and you know maybe this 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 uh, dates me as someone who grew up before things like Super Mario Brothers that I'm I'm actually pretty good at figuring out interfaces by playing with everything that I can see and and so you know it's not like it makes it hard for me personally 
But when I talk to people who are using these these interfaces who are not experts in this stuff, they're just flabbergasted. They often have absolutely no idea how you would learn this stuff. And the thing with gestures is that it's much more obscure. Is it three fingers? Is it four fingers? Is it up? Is it down? Yeah. Well, it know, sounds like the line in Independence Day where Judd Hirsch tells Jeff Goldblum on the plane, you go up, you go down, and he develops air sickness <laughs> and grabs the bag. So, yeah, and, and the other thing is is that much is often made of interfaces being intuitive. And I think that is an utterly incorrect word to use in almost all cases. Intuitive means that you would just sort of know how to use it because you have this sixth sense of how it's going to work. In the normal course of events, people with normal levels of intuition would figure it out. That's the point, but that's not obviously always the case. That's true, and it's especially not true early on. I mean, that as we become more familiar with these touch interfaces, well, yes, if you've used iOS for a few years, you know that you should try swiping. You know that you should try tapping on edges of the screen. So, for instance, in iBooks, you know, you, you tap on the edges of the screen to flip the pages back left or to flip the pages right. But again, you wouldn't know that to start with. There's no, there's no, no reason to suspect that, that would work. Or it's basically experimenting. I'm a move my fingers this way, I'll swipe them that way, I'll go up, down, back, around, I'll try two fingers, I'll try four fingers, I'll try the edges. So there are various levels of gestures, just so many gestures that you can add before it gets ridiculous. And I think it's getting to that point right now. Precisely. And on Windows 8, it's even worse. Is it, I, yeah, I haven't used Windows You don't 8. want to know. You don't want to know, folks. <laughs> I mean, if you're thinking of running Windows 8... And you want to have a trackpad on your desktop machine or use a notebook. Take a look at all the gestures Microsoft has added. Compare them to Apple's list, which maybe is less, and say why. You know, maybe I should take karate so I learn how to use my fingers or play <laughs> a piano or something. So, and you or know, point and a finger in the right place. There, what's potentially more the point is is that it's different in every app, and so. You kind of have to run through that exploration of what does this do? What does that do? What does the next thing do? But everything you learn is specific to only one app because it's going to be different in another one. And that goes against the original Mac user experience. You know, yeah. it was predicated on the fact that if you learn how to do things in one app, you learn basic steps. You know, obviously there are going to be exceptions because certain apps have more sophisticated functionality. But if you learn the basics of the Mac user experience, you were 75 or 80% the way to figuring out any app that used the same structure. Yes. But now with iOS apps, for example, you go through 10 apps, there are 10 different ways to navigate through them. And, and I do think that that's actually starting to come more and more to the Mac as well. For the most part, you know, developers haven't, you know, immediate haven't completely flipped over, you know, because again, you know, you can't guarantee that every Mac user is going to have a pointing or a, you know a, a trackpad or of, of some sort. So they'll have a pointing device, but it might still be a mouse, and so you can't 
assume that gestures will be available for everybody. You have to make it possible for people to just use a mouse. And, you know, there is a full keyboard with full modifier keys, so you'd be stupid not to take advantage of that. Again, many users are going to rely heavily on the keyboard. So, you know, it's better on the Mac, but, you know, we're still we're seeing more and more apps that are trying to, you know, sort of be hip and modern and look like iOS apps with, again, some of that level of hidden interface exploration required. Which, of course, makes you frustrated and confused. But yeah. for the most part, you could use Mountain Lion like any other Mac and not worry about it. We have Adam Inks of Take Control Books and Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at disasterstuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember disasterstuff.com. Freedom through self reliance and personal responsibility. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 
877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. So call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does it mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General Steel first. Call 898 Steel today and save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. And we explore the underbelly of mountain lion and the dark secret about the gestures that can get mighty confusing. Functions that aren't obvious. Functions that aren't discoverable. One thing I do want to say, however, and I think this is actually a mistake that a lot of people make with regard to the operating system, is they assess it too much importance. The reason why I was perfectly able to, uh, to keep Snow Leopard on my Mac Pro for the last year is because I don't use the operating system to get my work done. I use applications to get my work done. Gee, isn't that a surprise? But again, I think we get a little we, we, we get a little bit deceived by all the fuss about the latest operating system. And what it really comes down to is the operating system is in many ways not that interesting. That it exists to support applications that let you actually do things. If you're running Word or BBEdit or Photoshop or Premiere or whatever it is. Premiere now. I think that's gone. After Effects now, but but Premiere still exists. Still exists. Okay, good. As part of the a, master collection, if you want to spend twenty five hundred dollars, you, want to give you can get a, like fifty thousand apps from Adobe. My point is though that as long as your applications run under the new operating system, which is from Lion to Mountain Lion, pretty safe. Obviously, from Snow Leopard to Lion, it was much less safe because of the loss of Rosetta and PowerPC apps not not working. But as long as your apps still run, you can often just upgrade to the operating system so you've got the latest and greatest of whatever little underpinnings Apple wants to give you, and then just get back to work. That you don't have to make the operating system upgrade be this huge, involved, oh my goodness, you know, this is going to be a change in the way my world looks and works in some significant way. And, but you and see, partic- Microsoft does that. Microsoft did that to some extent by adding the ribbon interface instead of menu bars. They've done it with Windows 7, with Vista, but they make it much worse with Windows 8 where it's a sea change. I mean, we can criticize a lot of things about Mountain Lion and Lion, things that Apple has added or a few things they've taken out or made more difficult to do. But the fundamentals of using your apps are the same. 
But when you go to Metro and you're used to Windows 7 or Windows XP, because right now there's about an equal number of people around the world using Windows XP from 2001 as are using Windows 7. Now, imagine any of them used to these two operating systems. Now going to Metro in Windows 8, that's going to be one mess. And it's actually a little bit interesting because, in fact, for a very long time, one of Microsoft's big claims to fame was that your software, your old software would continue to run. And, in fact, you can still run some tremendously old software in, you know, in recent versions of Windows, and it may still work under vari- in various ways and shapes and forms, um, whereas Apple is much more likely to just you know, cut you off after you know, five years of, you know, okay, we the PowerPC apps, no more. But I do think that you're right, that the user experience of using the operating system is more significantly changing for Microsoft uh, Windows users. And I think of the enterprise where they want predictability. They don't want to have to spend money to retrain employees. So, for example, you go from Windows XP to Windows 7, it's not a big retraining to use the same apps. But now you have Windows 8, and suddenly they have to think, well, for every computer I'm going to have to spend this much, have maybe special seminars for the employees to make them understand No, I'm not going to upgrade because that has to be the answer. I understand with the consumer, you're at home, you can play around with things. In office, you're adding up productivity by the pennies, by the dollars, and suddenly your productivity goes down for a period of time because you have to invest in retraining your employees they're not going to do it. How does Microsoft even justify that? To be clear, enterprises don't upgrade for one to three years after a new operating system comes out. They don't even think about it because they need to verify that all the stuff that they really use works in a way that is reasonable and to come out with a migration plan and make sure all their hardware can support it and all that kind of stuff. So businesses move very, very slowly to adopt new versions of Windows. And they actually do the same thing on the Mac. And it has, it, It's almost unrelated to the operating system. It's just that they have so many things they have to verify and check and make sure are ready before they pull the trigger on that upgrade that they cannot afford to jump the gun and, and, and go quickly and discover that, oh, well, yeah, gee, sorry, our custom accounting software doesn't work. Sorry, business, business is dead, you know. <laughs> so Of course, what you do is you have a test system. You have the admins with a test system, and they'll try all the applications, and they'll test all the functions, see what's involved, what's changed, and whether it's worth moving. And it's hard enough to sell them Windows 7. It's taken all this time to match the number of Windows XP users with Windows 7. So you have to think Windows 8 is going to be a while, and maybe they'll hope that Microsoft will have a Windows 9 that will give them back the old interface so they don't have to retrain everybody in the shop. Well, I expect a lot of that also are machines that, that uh, you know run XP but then can't go beyond that but are just sticking around because, in fact, people didn't need any more functionality than, than was being provided under XP. So, I mean, you know, again, one of the things that we... You know, for those of us who are in the industry and therefore kind of need to be using the latest and greatest a lot of the time, it's easy to lose perspective of a lot of people don't need anything more than they had five or ten years ago. Yeah, they might need some basic compatibility. For instance, you need a current web browser because 
web browsing technology actually has evolved and the websites are using, relying on aspects of it that if you don't have a modern web browser, you're going to have problems. But a word processor? I mean, come on. There haven't been any significant changes in word processing in years and years and years. Microsoft adds loads of features to Office that nobody cares about. In fact, I have one client who is somebody who works for education as a consultant. He is using Word 5.1, which is, what, 20 years old? (laughs) Of course, he has a Mac that's capable of doing that. He's got an old Mac that runs OS 9, all right? Yep. But he runs it, and he also runs a macro program called Tempo 2+. Nobody remembers because it's long been out of print. I don't yeah. think that Rick Barron, who owned the company that does it, I don't think they've made versions of that since possibly before 2000, in the yeah. 1990s. Oh, probably even earlier. <laughs> it's an automation program. It's kind of like Quick Keys, where you're able to create shortcuts of different functions. So he has this workflow running perfectly. So he has this one Mac which is a Power Mac G4 from, what, 2000 or something like that, running OS 9, will never go to 10, can't go to 10, because he's got, like I said, Microsoft Word 5.1, he's got Tempo 2+, and he has an iMac for everything else, a more recent iMac running a fairly recent version of OS 10. That's his particular workflow, and he has no need to go to a newer Mac to see Lion or Mountain Lion or even Snow Leopard because that's how he makes his money. I have some other people, this fellow who writes to me every so often, he's got like a Power Mac G5 or something. And he's not going to do any upgrades. One reason is, okay, he buys the new computer. He now has to upgrade all his software. So he has to pay the upgrade fees. And by the time he adds all this stuff together... There's no sense of delivering higher productivity and higher income. That's the reason you upgrade. You upgrade because you're going to be more productive. You're going to make more money. The investment is worth it. He cannot see that investment. He's gone on for years. He cannot see an investment in upgrading that Mac. Someday he's going to have to. Someday the system will fail. And maybe he'll either buy an old Mac or he'll say, you know what? I've got to have something new. But... Not this year, not the next. Yeah. You, I mean, you know, people, again, it's often hard to maintain that perspective that you don't have to have the latest and greatest. And even quite old stuff, A, it worked great when it was new. Does It, it doesn't work any differently after it stops being new. That's right. And we have Adam Inks, who is always new. <laughs> From Take Control Books and Tidbits, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. The summer specials are on at HHA, Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big at HerbalHealer.com. And you customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, liquid CalMag vitamin D and organic iodine, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Super 2, Natural Laxative, our exceptional product Tonixin, Memory Power, and Super Male and Femplex, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. Also get 10% off on the Herbal Healer Academy Survival Course, information that might save your life. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock. Save you money and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're discussing the fact that you don't have to buy a new Mac. 
you don't have to replace your operating system. If everything is working properly, your workflow is good, why bother? That's absolutely true. And the fact is that it's very easy to get caught up in kind of that upgrade rush. Because it is kind of fun to see what's new, but it's also important to realize that making the jump always requires preparation, dealing with things that no longer work, uh, adjusting to new versions of software, paying for new versions of software, certainly. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I think probably most people, in fact, do upgrade at some point, even if it's just when they buy a new computer. If an old computer dies, it's not worth buying another old computer. They want to get a new one. And, and that's and interesting here how that's worked. In fact, it's worked in the auto industry where people are keeping cars longer because they have longer useful lives. Yeah. So, you know, one year ago, you'd think a car gets to 75 or 100,000 miles on it. <laughs> you know what? Got to get rid of it. The engine's going to blow up tomorrow. Now, you know, this Honda lasts 500,000 miles. Maybe it's good for another 500,000. You know, keep the rust from the body. Keep everything working. Do the regular oil changes and tune-ups. It lasts a long time. With computers, you know, more and more people, I think, are upgrading less and less. We're seeing somewhat flattening of Mac sales. We're seeing PC sales from many companies go down. They're buying things like iPads. Now, yeah. the iPad, I guess, even though you could use an iPad for a long time, you kind of think that two or three years people will just upgrade because the iOS won't be compatible with older versions, some of the new software won't work with the older products. So there's going to be a faster upgrade cycle with tablets and certainly with smartphones. But with personal computers, people, I think, are going to more and more tend to hang on to them longer. I think the, and I think the industry has done that somewhat intentionally. And by the industry, I more or less mean Apple in this case. If you had an original iPhone or iPod Touch, not so useful anymore. I mean, it still probably does what it what it did originally, but you know, you're not being able to get get updates, and because they're small portable devices, they tend to take a little more abuse. You know, you're going to drop it a little more frequently. It's going to get set down hard, or you know, just something's going to happen. And so, it's feeling to me like we can really expect when you get a new iPhone or iPad iPod Touch may be a little bit longer because it doesn't have the, the connectivity issues, that you can skip one generation. You can say, I got an iPad 2. I'm not going to buy the third generation iPad. Maybe I'll look at it when the iPad fourth generation comes out. With smartphones, normally you have a two-year cycle because of the contract. Precisely. And that's, I think that's, that's the real hint that they really expect this thing to last you for two years. And at the end of two years, you're going to start having just a little bit more flakiness. It's not going to be quite cool as, as cool as it was. And you'll have not one, but two generations of technology to make the new product all the more appealing. I had an iPhone 4. I didn't get the 4S because it wasn't that big a change. Tanya was coming from a 3GS, so the iPhone 4S was a much nicer change for her. Now, in my case, what I might do when the next iPhone comes out my wife doesn't have an iPhone. She needs a new phone. Yeah. So I might take my existing iPhone 4S, move it to her account, so she still has a year left on her account or whatever, and then get 
the newer iPhone for myself. Yes, and I think that I think that happens a great deal with these uh, iOS devices that they get handed down because, again, you know, say you have an you know an original iPad, you might have decided that the third generation iPad was worth it for the Retina display and the faster processor and all of that. But if your original iPad is still working reasonably, that's a great thing to hand down to a kid or a family member who didn't have one at all before. And Apple loves that because it keeps them going and it keeps and people are still buying new ones as upgrades and it gets another person who's probably going to be bought into the upgrade stream in the future. So you hand down the product, the computer, the smartphone, the tablet, the Apple product to another family member or friend. That's a conversion for Apple. Yep. Because you know when they're ready to buy, they're going to buy Android, they're going to buy a Nexus 7. Give me a break. Yeah, they're going to buy what they're used to. And it's actually, you know, it's one of those things, particularly with the iOS devices, again, they're very easy to make clean. So you can you can just go in there and, and you know, factory reset it, and it's ready for the next person. As opposed to a Mac where, you know, you have to reformat the hard drive and reinstall the operating system and decide what, how, you know, what updates you want to apply. And, well, gee, you know, if it's, if it's your kid, you probably want them to have your software. But if it's a friend, you might not want them to have your software. And just it's a lot harder to hand Macs down. I and mean, people obviously have been doing it for a long, long time. But I think that Apple has done a good job in iOS of making it really simple to just say, here, this is new, nice and new and fresh for you. Exactly. And that's how Apple continues to have higher and higher sales because right now when they get to the next generation of tablets, you're going to see people upgrading from older versions of the iPad. You're going to see more and more people upgrading from their existing iPhones because the user base keeps expanding. There are more people ready to upgrade each year. So that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and I actually did an article about this where I looked at you know, sort of the lifespans of Macs and iOS devices based in part on compatibility of the, ver- of the operating system. And I'd have to go back and wrote the article, you know, a year ago, so I can't remember the exact details. But just do was, a search at the tidbits.com yeah, site. Sure, find it. You know, search on you know lifespan or something. But it was interesting to me. You, know, you could see Apple really trying to hit that two-year frame with iOS and with Mac. With uh, with Macs, it was longer. You know, that really you could generally go three years or five, three to four years before you started to have significant compatibility issues. And you know, I mean, again, from Apple's perspective. They're a very, very, very big company now, and they want to make sure that they don't put themselves in a position where people are going to stop buying new devices because it's not as though they've sold enough to saturate the market or anything, but they are still at a you know a price point where it is not an infinite market. So they need to make sure that those upgrades happen frequently. And it I mean it's sort of interesting in some ways because Apple really really does well on hardware upgrades, but they won't let developers charge for iOS or Mac App Store upgrades. So, you know, it's uh, what's good for the goose is not apparently good for the gander. They have to work that out. They have yeah. to work out a way if someone has a new version of an app for the App Store or the Mac App Store, you have to basically build a whole new app and make it a separate sale. And existing customers have no way to get the discount. Yep. Or or to even know about it. 
because you as an app as an app developer you have no you don't have those customers they're not your customers they're apple's customers and apple does not in any way help you to contact them and say hey we've got this new app out that does everything the old one does and more but we have to make it a separate app because apple won't let us charge for an upgrade and apple has no way to go into their user base and target specific purchasers of a specific application. I mean, it's possible to do it. They actually can't, and it has happened in the iBook store, okay. which is obviously the same platform as the app stores. So uh, it is possible to target people who bought a certain product and reach them separately from everything else. As I said, I, I think it has happened a handful of times. So, if And that's if, another discussion and another show because we really ought to cover that in more detail as things go on. So tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that Adam Inks and crew do. Well, we've been publishing tons of stuff about Mountain Lion on Tidbits, including more details in that web sharing, a review of Safari 6, all sorts of little details that uh, Apple isn't telling you, cool stuff like that. And then on the Take Control side at uh, TakeControlBooks.com, we have Take Control of Upgrading to Mountain Lion, Take Control of Using Mountain Lion, and Take Control of Apple Mail and Mountain Lion, so people can learn all the latest and greatest about the app that, frankly, we probably use more than any other. Find us on Twitter. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter, Tech Night Owl. And if you go to technightowl.com, you find my daily cutting-edge blog about all things Apple and other subjects, too, as a matter of fact. And then we have that other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, the Paracast at Paracast.com. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.